Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to The Inforium, a show about productivity, personal finance, but not about becoming an evil Knievel impersonator, though it is one of my secret life goals. Don't have it on my personal, my possible list, but... Uh, to what level would you want to impersonate? Just just dress like or actually successfully do gotta, the tricks? We got to jump the buses. Is that, is that the impersonation level you're looking for? 40 buses. Basically becoming the successor. Yes. Okay. Something like that. That's cool. I also realized when we when we snapped to synchronize the cameras and the audio feed, I should just say, you should have gone for the herd. That's fair. But I don't. That's fair. See, my finger feels all weird from snapping now. Yeah. Look well, what I did. you got to practice that finger snapping. I guess. So uh, we're going to make good on our promise to vary up the podcast and have more segments. Yay. Segmentation. Segmentation. Like centipede. Planning. Like, I guess like a centipede centipede are they segmented i don't know they look like they probably yeah are. they are they are they got, like you know legs on each one segment. Of my head it's not like a worm with legs it's got pieces yeah well the the a centipedes i've cool. seen in real life have been those house centipedes and i'm not sure oh i was thinking of i was more thinking of like but yes the ones you see on planet earth like and cool you're ones. very scared of yeah and they like, are segmented yeah, and terrifying i've seen them like eating a bird yeah it's weird yeah Nature is lit. It, I think that's a subreddit. It, it does some things. But it's also scary sometimes. So we're going to do a segment. Uh, I guess we're going to call it Project Check-In. Yeah, I don't have do we need a cooler? Names. We need a cooler name I for it. I don't have a good name for it at the moment, but I thought it would be cool if we talked about the stuff we're working on, either personally yeah. or projects within the business. Mm-hmm. Just kind of as a way of uh, sharing how we progress on stuff, but also as a way of convincing us that we need to keep on it so that we don't have a project check-in where it's like how's this going and the answer is it's um i've been playing a lot of zelda it's like i I, it keeps me wanting to make (laughs) progress so that i don't feel like i haven't done anything yeah there's some mild accountability there and perhaps the listener can use our bi-weekly project check-ins as their own bi-weekly signal for which Maybe. to see, you know, how much progress yeah. have I made? Uh, in fact, if you want to go with this whole bi-weekly theme, your habit tracking system is all about it is, bi-weekly it check-ins. It does indeed do that. Um, I do want to put this out there in advance. When Breath of the Wild 2 comes out, I'm going to have a two-week period where my project check-in will be I played Breath of the Wild, and that's productive. Well, that's like a happiness project. Because I that's plan fine. on it. Yep. It's not procrastination. I fully plan on essentially taking a two-week vacation to play that game. Yeah. And that's reasonable. Here's the, here's the new problem. Anna is finally playing Breath of the Wild. It took me years of cajoling to get her to do it. But now, of course, she loves it. I'm so jealous that she gets to play it for the first time. Right, yeah. She's not even done yet. But this means that when this comes out, we're both not going to want to be the person who waits so we're both going to have to buy our own copy and we're both probably going to be in our own sections of the house. So you don't spoil each other. So we don't spoil well, each other. Well, that's what happened with the original <laughs> one because like Claude was in the basement and I was tucked away in my room. And if I if I heard you two talking about a feature I didn't know about, I'd be like, ah, and I'd shut the door. Exactly. Run away from spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you do me a favor real quick? Yeah. No, never mind. I just, I got paranoid because one time... I put the microphone backwards and it ruined an episode. Does it have a backwards? What, like this is a directional microphone. It looks, it's a cylinder. And you one know, time it looks the, to the, me the same in the every direction. The pop filter was on it backwards. 
but I just realized I don't need to check because we checked the audio before. We oh, and the audio levels would have been bad. The audio levels would have okay, been bad. Fair so enough. So we're fine. Anyway, that's so <laughs> audio check-in success. Audio check-in success. So what projects are you working on? Well, how I are just, things going? I just finished a song that I've been working on for a year. Mm-hmm. Put that out on Instagram, Twitter. It's not a happy song, you know, if if you're looking for some cool, fun, lo-fi beats, that's not what it is. But uh, I finished that because it's uh, it's about my dad who passed away. And that took a year. So as soon as I put it out, you know, obviously I was a little sad at first, but throughout the day, I like felt this weight shifting and I'm excited for new projects again. Really? Okay. Because I've been on that for over a year. Yeah. Um, Did you I'm feel kind of on... like stuck on that one or like you didn't want to work on it? It's more like that particular kind of uh, homage requires a lot of pressure yeah. and time and uh, deadlines and things. Mm-hmm. Just And it's just hard to work with. You know, the lyrics aren't fun to think about let alone write and perform correctly. Yeah. But now I'm working on a little bit of pixel art. I'm hoping to have some cool pixel art done sometime this month. I'm in the autumn mood. So it is, I want to make one of the best autumnal pixels. I actually don't know what the best season is. I know you would call autumn the best season. It's obviously autumn followed potentially it's, it's autumn followed by either winter or spring then summer. Summer's the worst season. Summer. Maybe here's my problem. For the things I do, spring is the worst. Because it's muddy? Yes. Because in summer, I can do downhill mountain biking and I can ride motorcycles. In fall, I can ride motorcycles. In winter, I could ski, which is my favorite one. In spring, ski the ski places, some of them are still open. But it's you get slushy days. None of the mountain biking places are open because they're muddy or they're still snowy. That makes sense. And you have a lot of like wet roads or rain or whatever. Though here in Denver, not so much rain. So, yeah, I don't know. This is my first season writing. So maybe spring will be fine for writing. Maybe. And possibly that will be like the perfect in-between thing. Though it's it's very fun. The, there's not a whole lot of exercise involved. So I'll have to keep oh, up with like true. climbing or something. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah. just working on pixel art right now. That's basically, okay. that's what's going on at the moment. I don't think anything else is happening. If anyone wants to see pixel art that you did, it is in our latest video. That is true. Which we did on, uh, it was the our part two for Atomic Habits. So now we have, boy, that's like a solid half an hour of content on that book. Yeah. But the yeah, quote well, it's animations, an entire book. It is an entire book. Yeah. The, uh, the quote animations have this cool page turning book that you designed. Yeah, I want to slip in a little bits of pixel art when we can't think of something else to put in there. Mm-hmm. Just because like. I put so much pressure on the stuff that I've been working on pixel art wise, but with this, there's a clear deadline, there's a clear image, and there's a clear need to just finish it rather Mm -hmm. than meander. So yeah, you just got to get it done. So yeah, maybe that would be a decent challenge. Like, I don't know about every video, maybe like one or two videos a month, get some kind of new pixel art in there. Yeah, it takes surprisingly little time because I little time I start doing it as the rough draft sketch. Mm to see if I have an idea of what it should look like. And then that the last couple times has just magically become the final as I was like, Oh, I basically had it right the first time. Yeah. Cool. If I may give you a challenge for the next one, figure out something where you can do one of those like reflection animations. I don't even know what that is. So like if you had like a mirror or something like in real life, if you were to move it slightly, the sun would go across it and in pixel art, you would use like maybe Oh, maybe a yeah. diagonal white line to go across it. Yeah. 
Or like, you know, how anime characters, if they're villains, they push their glasses up and they go white for a second. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, something like that. No, that, that'd look cool. That would be a cool... I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what do to yet. use it for yet. Maybe a window I'll keep an eye or out. something. I don't know. Actually, that could be interesting. You could do a quote animation by building like just a pixel wall and window and then the words could be outside or something. I don't know. I don't know. Got a lot of ideas. Yeah, I'm going to keep an eye out for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what have you been working on? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to report two things because I got too much going on right now. I think October 2020 may end up being the busiest month of my life, which I did this to myself. He said right before November, which would then become... The oh, same. November may be worse. We'll see. There you go. See, I don't have to film a course in November. That's the that's the difference. Okay, that's fair. So, um, I just closed on my house. That's We're true. We're not moving in for a month because the previous owners are. Uh, I think they're waiting for their new house to be finished. So, oh, that makes sense. It, it's you know the crazy the craziness of Denver real estate. You're you buy a house in Denver and they're like. You know, it's super, super competitive. So like, hey, we're not going to move out until this day. We want to close now. That's kind of what it was. I'm not that mad about it, though, because, again, I have so much going on in October that I'm I'm totally fine with being their landlord, I guess, for a month. Yeah. And then moving in when I have a bit more time. Um, the thing I'm excited about, I guess I'm excited about the house, too, but I'm project wise, I'm starting a new channel and I am finally building a course that I will own and have on my own platforms and sell directly. The dream we've had for years. For years. Yeah. Um, and I'm it's I'm finally going to charge a significant amount of money for it. So prepare yep. your wallets, dear listener. Yeah. If you Get fall prepared. into a specific segment of people who would want this. But as a lot of people know, I kind of like Notion. You know, it's like a little a little uh, thing. I a little have bit. a mild interest in it in notion. Um, and I want to do more content around that. The problem is number one, I don't want to keep relying on my YouTube channel and sponsorships as like the, you know, it's not the only source of income we have, but it's a huge source of income. I would like to have something where it's like, I own this and sell this. Yeah. And my Skillshare courses, those are technically owned by Skillshare because they're originals. So I can kind of act like those are mine, but they're not really mine, mine. I would like to have something that's like, I built this, I sell this, it's my product. Uh, and I want to make something on Notion that is more in-depth than what I've done on my current YouTube channel videos. So I'm building a course for people who want to use Notion for in-depth project management. For people like YouTubers or podcasters or people who are running businesses that have uh, either teams or at least a need for complex project management. That's going to be the course I build. Uh, and if people are interested, I have a newsletter. Well, I don't know if it's a newsletter. It's like an email list set up for just telling people when it's going to come out. They can go to thomasjfrank.com slash notion course to get on that. I'm just going to let people know when it goes live and I'm going to do a beta version as well. Cool. So I don't know how many people I should let into the beta version of the course. Uh, I'm going to be completely transparent with this. I've never done this before, but I have been a part of a beta version of a course before, which I found very useful because I got to ask questions. It was actually Grant Baldwin's course on how to become a speaker. I got to ask questions that helped to shape what was in the course. 
and honestly what what i bought into i think was like half off to get in and all that there was when i got in was an evernote bullet list of things he thought he should cover with some detail thrown in and personally as a person who can like grab a little tidbit of information and run with it that was great he so had you like, were in there in like alpha stages basically super alpha he had like names of organizations that you might want to get your name into to get on their speakers list or people you should reach out to or it's like just some basic notes of here's who here's who you would reach out to if you're trying to market yourself as a speaker here's what you need in a one like a one sheet page to market yourself and i'm like cool that's perfect i can go look up examples of one sheet pages like i don't even need the videos so i think it would be useful to do a beta version maybe with like a slack group or something um i don't know how many spots there will be but i do know i'm only going to market it to the people on this list and then when the full thing goes live i'll probably uh, market it in other places including the new channel i'm building which i've been trying to come up with a name for so long <laughs> and uh, i keep coming up with names and then all the social media handles are taken social so media handles are taken for everything for everything for everything so i've decided to keep it simple the new channel is just called Thomas Frank Explains. I'm going to use all my same social media handles. They will be, it'll be like a V. There's the whole social media presence. And then there's just two YouTube channels. So I think I wrote a URL. I was going to ask you to create a redirect since you're the person who knows how to do those very well. Uh, we're just going to put it at thomasjfrank.com slash explains. And there will be a video out by the time this podcast goes live. At least one cool so this channel is going to be i think i'm going to start it out with notion tutorials um it's not going to be purposely branded around notion and i'm not committing myself to only doing notion Just but i want to stuff yeah i want to do a play i want a place where i can do tutorials that may do well with search but may not and if I do it on my main youtube channel the problem is the way the youtube algorithm works if i have enough videos that don't get a lot of views because they're super niche or they're super long that will negatively affect my overall algorithm performance yeah so i kind of have to split it up the main thomas frank channel is going to be the content you've come to know which is our video essays things like that and then thomas frank explains we'll start out with more in-depth notion tutorials and we may branch out from there cool but i'm excited those are the projects i'm doing well that's pretty exciting so, that one's going to be out by the time this podcast comes out that's like Yes. That's some good progress for when the first we'll be project out, check-in. We I, got, I'm we got committing real myself happening. to doing this. Um, and I guess to check in, I have created the channel. I have created the email segment for the course, and I've started outlining the course. Nice. You know, and now that I think about it, this system. segment's also kind of like a mini just between us mastermind Jedi Council sort of thing. That's true. Just a, just just a, a little lot bit, of eavesdroppers. Like, yeah, a lot of eavesdroppers a lot on of the Jedi Council. you pressed up against the door. A lot door. of like secret Sith Jar Jars up in there. Yeah. But execute order. Yeah, 66. pretty productive project check-in this time. A lot yeah. of stuff going on apparently. Lots of stuff going on. I guess for well, maybe packing boxes. Maybe. Actually, maybe that's a segue down. into our main topic. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. So something we've talked about doing, I think like we talked about this years ago and never did it, was taking the topics I'm going to do for YouTube videos and exploring them in a podcast. We did before the video goes. It always out. seemed like a good idea, right? Cause number one, we get to talk about it. So we're going to naturally explore things that I probably wouldn't even think about if I'm just sitting down writing and then the video can market the podcast episode. 
because not as many people listen to the podcast as uh, people who watch the videos. Yeah. It's like sometimes 10 to one difference. So we got to grow the podcast. And how do you do that? Vitamins. Use your, yeah, with gummy vitamins. Obviously. Obviously. But also you use your number one marketing channel that is well, that sitting around being sense. underutilized. It's easier sometimes. to do now that, now that it's the Inforium <laughs> rather than college info geek yeah i was i'm getting to a point where i'm like hey guys i don't make videos on college anymore and i'm not in college anymore but go check out the college info geek podcast where we also don't make podcasts about college yeah it was a little weird <laughs> so you know the inforium maybe it's an imperfect name but it's a name that we can grow into because it it doesn't have any built-in connotations or baggage so what i want to talk about this week uh, is the idea of FOMO, the fear of missing out, and how this this concept, among others, but maybe more than others, causes me to oblige myself to more things and causes me more stress than probably anything else. Yeah. So it it kind of started as like the idea of just busyness, how we find ourselves constantly busy, because I think about work culture in other countries or other parts of the world, like specifically Europe has a different work culture than America does. They tend to take more time off. They tend to be more relaxed here in America. We have this go, go, go culture. There's always an opportunity. There's always something we should be doing. And I don't know about you, but I almost always feel guilty that I'm not doing something. Yeah, almost always a few times a year. Maybe I find myself feeling okay and like i have some actual free time but that's mm. really just a few times a year i'm not traditionally very good at it and if i start out succeeding at balancing stuff i will slowly let some scope creep into my life yeah and then suddenly find myself buried yep i noticed last night and i don't think this is healthy it was i think it was 7 30 and i told tony we're gonna play Fortnite. Um, but I was, I was working on some stuff. I was actually setting up the Thomas Frank explains channel and my rationalization for going to play Fortnite was, Oh, I need to rest because then I'll be more effective tomorrow, which is true. And it's good to know, but I didn't necessarily like that. That was my motivation for relaxing. Yeah. Primarily like, to do more work. Yeah. Not like, Oh, I want to go relax, you know? And I, I often ask myself this. What am I going to be doing when I'm 50? And is what I'm doing right now, are the plans that I'm setting into motion right now going to get me to a place where I'm going to enjoy what I'm doing when I'm 50? Or is it going to be just like the same things that burn me out, but now there's more money and people and complexity. And therefore pressure. And, and pressure. Just, it really, it's just all gotten worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. When I was at VidCon, I think it was 2015, my channel was pretty small. I think I had, uh, I think it was 60,000 subscribers. I remember this because I met uh, Antonio Centeno from Real Men Real Style at that conference. And he was like, hey, you got like 60,000 subscribers. I don't know how he knew, but you know, pretty small channel. And I was in a panel where there was these big educational creators kind of giving advice. The ASAP science guys were there and they had 4 million subscribers at the time. And I remember them saying their own 
their own experience was uh, starting out thinking the way that I did at the time where they were small and they're like, we just need to get big. Once we get to X number of subscribers, it's going to be better. You know, you, you think, well, you're going to be there. Everyone's going to watch your videos no matter what, because you have so many subscribers. It's going to be easy because you've made so many. So you're practiced at it now. And then I remember them saying like, nope, that's not the reality at all. Our experience on a day-to-day -day basis is roughly the same, just with more pressure. You know, now you have 4 million people expecting you to do something instead of 60,000. And now you have hired people and yes, they're helping you, but now like their livelihood is on you. There's all of these things. So when, when you're, when you're small, there's all these opportunities and you want to take them because you're ambitious, but you have to realize that more likely than not, they're not going to get you to a place where you're now done and can relax. They, they will likely get you to a place where, well, maybe you're doing something very similar to what you were doing. There's just more around it. And I think it's, it's worth considering that when making a decision. Yeah. Yeah. But you're so scared of losing out on the potential to get a big channel or do something like that. Mm -hmm. that you end up sacrificing for it, which is a classic, you know, it's a classic thing. You see it in TV shows and movies where there's just like, uh, I'm picturing all older movies. So it's like always this like businessy balding dude who like never goes home to his family or some nonsense. Yeah. I'm sure that there are still versions of that in new things. I don't watch enough to know right now, mm -hmm. but it's a pretty classic example of the person who let their job get away with everything and take yeah. their lives. Um, I saw this tweet the other day. I don't know. Maybe you saw it because I quote tweeted it. But some, uh, let's just say, it's a misogynistic dude hiding behind a Hercules avatar tweeted something out along the lines of, I don't know anybody who is successful who had a long-term relationship in their 20s. And specifically, he said, I don't know any guy who was successful who had a long-term girlfriend in his 20s. And you can put that out there and you can say, I don't know that, you know, that's a statement. But uh, then then the replies to people who pushed back against that got real misogynist oh, real no. fast. You oh, know? no. So I just tweeted uh, I, he had some line about it's impossible to juggle both. And I just tweeted maybe for you, maybe for you. <laughs> but impossible seems like a bold claim. Yeah. The thing that really pissed me off, though, um. He's got all these, I don't know why he's got like 8,000 uh, followers on Twitter. So we had all these people in his replies eating it up. Yeah, man, you just got to grind, like disregard women, man. Like all this kind of stuff. You just got to grind until you're 30 or 40, whatever it is. <sighs> Number one, this is a super toxic mindset. I would not be where I am without the support that I've gotten from Anna. And I think she would say the same about me because we're a team. I think to, to think about a significant other as a, a drain on your ability to succeed is a, a toxic mindset to begin with. But the one thing that I want to consider from a fundamental level is why is this, why, why is like financial success seen as the thing to be chased among everything else we could be chasing? Why, why do all these young guys think I need to forego relationships to get that? Why don't, why don't we flip the script? Yeah. Why is there no, I should forego some amount of career success to have a healthy relationship that I enjoy in my twenties. Like why is the fear of missing out financially stronger than every other fear? Yeah. Because you're going to miss out on something. You can't, 
you can't avoid that. The fear of missing out is perfectly logical and true. It's the opportunity cost. It's life. Mm-hmm. But why would financial cost be the scariest? Exactly. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of toxic crap to unpack in that tweet. But I'm right now, what I'm interested in is what is it about our culture that causes our fear of missing out to be so attuned to career and financial success among all others? Because like, make no mistake, every decision you make has an opportunity cost. If I decide to do one more video a week, sure, maybe I'll make more money, grow my channel, but that's 20 extra hours of work with which I could go on dates with Anna, we could travel, I could read books, I could lay around doing whatever the heck I wanted. Yeah. And all those things sound like I would be much more afraid of missing out on those type of things. Like, yeah. I, I picture this... You know, like if I want to picture a perfect-ish life, I don't want to call it a perfect life, but when I just daydream about what I want to do someday, it's usually very similar things. Like I, I want to have like a garden with like mm-hmm. flowers and vegetables and stuff. I want to stand up paddleboard and, you know, Ashley can sit on the back and read something while while yep. I just like steer us through something. So the garden I want to like spend a lot of time on water. I want a couple hundred bucks if you want to build it and buy the soil. Yeah. Paddleboards. 300 bucks. Yeah, a lot of that's very accessible. Mm-hmm. And it's not even stuff that I could not have possibly done in Denver, you know? When when I picture it, usually I picture like a, a house. Being from the Midwest, picturing a house is just like the default thing yeah. that I assume of my future. But in Denver, I could have done those things. Mm-hmm. And I didn't because I was afraid of other stuff. Now, in my case, and I imagine many people's many listeners, many people in America in particular, like the finger surgery that I got, that kind of stuff tends to teach one to feel insecure financially. Yeah. So that it would be hard to know when they were no longer insecure because they would be so used to being afraid that they would think, I can never have enough money. Something could happen. Yep. Which is kind of true. There could always be some crazy, I could shatter both my legs tomorrow. I hope not. Yeah. It could happen, and if it happened, I would not be able to afford to fix it. So I'm sure there's some some sort of fear like that in there, but the mindset you're describing specifically that happens online seems a lot less about, I need to have financial safety so I can live a good life, and more, I won't be seen as successful Yeah. if I haven't made the finances. Like, yep. money is for something. Yep. And once you start viewing well, it as the end, it starts to get weird. Yeah, a lot of people start to view money as like, I'm keeping score. Or I think the the way we perceive potential loss and risk gets more wild as time goes on. Because like, you know, I'll be like, well, if I don't do this, like, w- what might happen? And th- there's always this part of my mind. It's like, well, what if I just totally fail? I'll be on the street. You would jump immediately right, which is to stupid. losing everything, stupid which seems unlikely. I think back like five short years ago, we were all roommates. My expenses were like less than a thousand bucks a month. Do I really think that if I don't do this new opportunity that comes up or whatever it is, I couldn't make a thousand bucks a month? Yeah, like, like and that you know, that's a much better alternative than just saying, well, I can't afford a big fancy house. Guess I'll give up on everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and whenever we talk about stuff like this, I, I worry that um, people are going to think, oh, oh, you know, like all ambition is just pointless or something like that. Um, and I don't think it is. I'm just I just question like our ongoing motivations. 
when I was building CIG, I was building it and I wanted to grow it for like actual like like I wanted to do it. There was a true desire there. I wanted to become a full time content creator. That was a real goal, you know, and I think there's nothing wrong with that goal. If I was back in that position, I would do it again. But, uh, you know, over time, I noticed there's like there's FOMO that doesn't stem from, oh, this will get me to my dream. This will get me towards the future that I truly envision and want for myself. There are other reasons for it. And I don't know, like I just call them, I don't know, like illegitimate pressures or something like that. What kind of stuff are you, what I had kind of a, stuff's coming I had up a that few you're like, listed. Um, so what are your comparisons to other people. Uh, recently, I became part owner in the agency that represents me. And there are several other owners, um, which uh, this is kind of amazing that this was even possible. Sort of just speaks to how cool the original founder of Standard was. But uh, the other owner is nobody runs a channel like mine. You know, there are people that run like tech channels or big like video essay channels. And yet, because we're all owners now, I sometimes find myself comparing my output to theirs, my views to theirs, and feeling like, oh, well, I'm not pulling my weight on these stupid metrics that I shouldn't really be using to compare myself. Mm. And I mean, there's another question there. It's like, do I even need to be comparing myself to the other owners just because we're all owners? You know, like what's, is there a reason for that? Are we, did we have like a bet that we all set out? No. Has anybody said like, I'm going to be the most viewed owner? No. It's just now that I'm in a peer group, that has been recently defined, I find my mind making these comparisons and I find it influencing my actions. Now, I don't think this is a legitimate pressure. Yeah, because if you just, if that thought didn't creep into your head, you could have been perfectly okay mm-hmm. with what you were doing. Yep. Or or people who make content kind of like mine. People like Matt Diavella or Ali Abdallah, people like that. You know, I'll be like, oh, well, Ali's doing like three videos a week. That I should, but why? Do I, is that what I want to do to like win to, to, to win at, you know, at YouTube? being on a treadmill. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing about, I'm, I kind of, I'm proud of myself for having the forethought to quit my blog when my hands didn't work well, <laughs> because I saw the treadmill coming and luckily the injury convinced me that treadmill was worth taking seriously. Or I would yeah. probably still be like, I don't know what to write about and I'm sick of this, but now it's big. What do mm-hmm. I do? Yep. Yeah, I think the the problem is on the internet, you have so many potential relationships and you have so many people you can look up to and you can, for better or for worse, compare yourself to. And I don't know if everyone feels this, but I will compare, like I'll take, I'll split myself into multiple aspects and then compare each aspect to the best possible example that I can see yeah. among my circle of connections. And then I'll feel bad about it. Well, you know, Ali puts out more videos than I do. Matt makes more cinematic videos than I do. Uh, Nikhil does like better acting than I do. I should be all of those things. And you can't. Yeah. You you, know? you want to be every head of a Hydra. <laughs> exactly. And and it just doesn't, I do that. I've been doing the same exact thing. I actually like last night I had to, I was sitting down to reconsider everything I've been working on because even with my goal book system, which I devised mm-hmm. specifically to prevent this because yeah. it would let me focus on one thing at a time and not, be afraid I wasn't doing something else. It always creeps out 
into where I'm like, yeah, but if I'm not the expert at literally all eight of the things I do, if I haven't perfectly <laughs> mastered three foreign languages and I'm not the best pixel artist, which I'm not even even slightly within striking distance of because there's mm-hmm. some fantastic pixel art. I'm a super beginner there. It's ridiculous to compare. Yeah. And then like photography and then just everything in the world. Yep. I want to be the best at every one of them, which I know doesn't make sense. But mm-hmm. when I see somebody else do it better, I think, well, maybe I should redo everything. Maybe I should refocus on that one. Yeah. It's the most important thing until I see the next person who does a different part of something I'm good at. Mm-hmm. It's just, and then you're just constantly jumping. You're allowing, like, basically, my focus. If I'm not careful, I'm not steering it, and it's Mm -hmm. just whoever I saw last, like the kind of person who just listens to whatever advice they heard last, and they're like, "That makes sense," and then they just ignore whether it makes sense with the other advice. It's like that, but with inspiration. So I'll see a pixel artist, and they'll be like, "I'm not doing enough pixel art. I got to do this. I'm going to focus on this (laughs) all month," and then I'll like listen to this cool cool like instrumental album with chip tunes and stuff and i'm like i can make an album i really like that in college maybe i should do that instead maybe i should mm-hmm. do that wait i haven't taken photos in a while oh no and then just we're allowing our focus to be dragged around by other people yeah that never even specifically told us hey you should focus on this like it's all imagined there there was a time when i stopped consuming business content because you know i i'd listen to business podcasts and mm-hmm. if I'm subscribed to three business podcasts, well, if you think about their incentive, they got to get something out every week. Yeah. So they're not necessarily focused on whatever those are talking about. But if I'm listening one week, hey, you got to do a content audit on your blog and go through and delete articles and start improving other articles. Hey, you got to speed up your blog and install caching plugins. Hey, you should be getting active on Twitter. You should be DMing every person on Instagram who follows you. You know, if you're if you're listening to money lab and pat flynn and gary vaynerchuk all at the same time you're gonna like split yourself in five different directions and yeah i think you sent me this article i don't remember who wrote it but there was like the metaphor of a hamster ball with five hamsters in it and they're all trying to go this different directions so it just stays where it yeah, is it's very similar to the essentialism <laughs> thing but with with a hamster but with hamsters but i did the same thing with the fizzle podcast back mm-hmm. in college when i was doing the blog and i was like this sounds like a smart idea but there i don't each of those ideas takes more than a week yep, <laughs> to, to actually implement. <laughs> so you need to pick one. Have we have we done the content audit? Because I I read about the content audit like we've four done, years ago. We've done like tiny pieces of it. <laughs> probably the most important parts, honestly. Probably the most important parts, you know. But the only reason that ever got done is because I have a team now. Yeah, I don't and think like I we've never we've never fully gone through. Mm-hmm. We always get like, okay, we're gonna do this, but then if we're not careful, we'll be like, oh, wait, wait, we should be working on this course instead. Yep. Which usually is actually a better idea than a content audit, which is like, <laughs> it would make me feel to... good, minimalist speaking. Yeah. I don't know what adverb you use there, but it's not going to be as useful as a course or, or new content or something or getting ahead so we can take breaks. Yeah. What kind of business people are we? We just always default to the thing that's free. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like somebody who really wants to make money would be like, no, I'm going to focus on the thing that makes me money and we're like well what if we yeah deleted articles to make our site faster yeah and we and we don't always do this this isn't to say that we're <laughs> literally being dragged around at all times but it, if you're not careful yeah it just kind of happens well it's it's like that pendulum metaphor i always come back to you're always swinging one way or the other away from some ideal equilibrium 
So, you know, maybe I'm too focused on one thing for a while and I'm letting things like rot. And then I'm like, all right, well, let me start thinking about all the aspects of my business until it swings the other way. And now I'm jumping around to too many things. I'm not focusing. So it's really just this constant process of maybe trying to slow the pendulum down and get to some, some central point. Yeah. And you're never really there. You know, Zeno's paradox will always define a new center. Yeah, this is, I mean, a lot of my fears are about like what you just said. If I focus, if I do the thing that I know will help me make progress in something, Mm -hmm. if I focus strongly on one thing for just a little bit, I'll start to think, but what about, what about your Spanish and French? You haven't done any, you haven't even read any books lately. Yeah. You've only read like this many books this year. Didn't you want to read like a thousand books this year? Doesn't that sound better? (laughs) You should do that too. It's only three books a day. And then I'll slowly convince myself to do a little bit of like six things, mm-hmm. realize that I'm making literally no progress in anything, feel really annoyed at it, and eventually resimplify, only yeah. to get dragged right back out if I'm not careful. And it's it's very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing is the idea of like the monkey's paw trap. Do you know what that is? I know. Not the monkey's the, paw. I know the monkey's paw that does wishes. Like, do, yeah, not that one. I, I'm aware that there's another monkey's paw thing, so but I don't remember. monkey's paw trap, it. right? So it's a, you know, say you have a hole in a tree or in a board or a bo- you build a box where it's a hole in there and you put like an apple or something in there. Uh, yeah. The monkey can fit its hand into the hole and grabs the apple, but it can't pull its hand out without letting the apple go. And so the story goes, the monkey doesn't let the apple go and it's stuck. I imagine that in real life, a monkey would probably be smart enough to let the apple go i don't know but the metaphor the metaphorical monkey's paw trap that's real sometimes you get on something that's providing you with certain rewards you don't want to let go even though you may want to move on to something new that's another form of fomo i fear that i'm going to miss out on the continued rewards from this thing without really weighing what i'm giving up to get those rewards So that's a big thing that we think about is like, okay, well, how can we keep moving into new areas so we're not always relying on something that maybe we don't want to do? Yeah. Um, Next year, I fully intend on doing fewer videos on my main channel. So that way, uh, because basically I don't want to have to make a video every week at the level of quality I want to make them at. And the monkey's paw trap there is, well, I can get a sponsor on any video I do. But that makes me reliant on sponsor income, you know, which is great. But if I'm not moving forward into other areas of business, then I'm essentially like I've just got my hand wrapped around that apple and I can't get out of that that mindset. Where I always think if I need to increase business income, that's the one way to do it. I want to flick, I want to think more flexibly. What do I want to do? Well, maybe I want to spend more time developing like a really deep product. Well, to do that, I have to sell that product. So I can build a business over there yeah. and not keep relying on this one form of income. Which you can't, it is a treadmill form of income and mm-hmm. it makes it hard to build anything else. That's what I think about whenever I start comparing myself to other people as well. It's like, okay, well, this person maybe has more views than I have or, or whatever it is. What would, what would the world be like? What would my life be like if I got ahead of that person, you know? in some stupid competitive instinct. Well, now I only have, there's only one direction for me to go in terms of ranking, which is down. So there's more pressure. That's true. 
you know? Oh no. So if you think in terms of comparisons, that's, it's either you're dissatisfied because you're not on top or you get on top and you're like, uh Oh, now the only place I can go now, is down. Now you're just scared all the time. The buck stops with me. You got that sword now hanging I'm, above your head. Now I'm on an even better, bigger treadmill because if somebody starts accelerating, oh no, now they're catching up. So you land in a position where your day-to-day life doesn't change, but now you're just working towards what? Staying on top for the sake of staying on top? Yeah, and the the problem is that in order to have any new chapters, you have to give up the last chapter. Yes, that's what it is. You have to give it up. There's and stuff you, you, gotta you give choose up. that as an adult. As I've said before, it's one of the most... It's one of the things that gets me most existentially dreadful or something. Yeah. It's just thinking about how like as an adult, you can have the same chapter yep. forever or until an emergency forces one or until you choose a new chapter. If I'm not careful and choose one, I'm waiting for fate to choose a new chapter for me. Yeah, I guess that's. And then I'm missing out too. on all of the potential new chapters I could have in life in order to preserve one. Yep. Out of what? A sense of nostalgia or. Yeah. I don't know. So I choose to not care if I have the most YouTube subscribers or views or whatever it is, because I don't want to live in a world where my daily life is optimizing for that. You know, that's that's not what I value. Um, I was even talking with somebody recently and they're like, you know, you don't release that many videos like how productive are you if you don't release like eight videos a month or 10 videos a month? And I'm like, well, If we're talking about, you know, he who dies with the most toys wins, if that's the philosophy we live by, then sure, I guess productivity could be defined by I have more views and more videos per week than the next person. But productivity is how effectively do you get towards your goals? And for me, my goal is not to optimize for just churning out content like some sort of factory. Um. And I've realized this about myself, like I am not, I'm not a machine who just produces the same thing over and over again. That's not where my strength is. I think where my strength is, is in building systems or doing research and like, you know, combining ideas. And that's a slower process. It's also a more artistic process that's got peaks and valleys and, you know, periods of a flurry of activity and then periods of rest. And that sounds a lot more appealing to me than just wake up, beep, boop, do the same thing. And now do it faster. Yeah. You know, when I think about efficiency, I I love finding areas that could be improved efficiency wise and figuring out a process for improving them. That's what I love to do, but not necessarily to then carry out that process of additional efficiency. It's the process of discovery and analysis that's more fulfilling for me. So I guess the conclusion here that I come to is to deal with FOMO, to not let it be pulling you around like puppet strings attached to your arms and legs, you have to first get clear on what it is you want in terms of long-term goals, but also in terms of like, you know, what does my average day look like either now or what does my average day look like once I meet those goals? And then when a new opportunity comes up, realize there's an opportunity cost and ask yourself, okay, what what would putting time and energy and attention towards this take away from some other part of my life? Yeah. It's like, because um, it will, what's the book where the, where the author talks about the, any benefit approach? Um, that's uh, deep work. Yeah. Calvin yeah. Work. Deep work. Yeah. It's, it feels like 
as long as you're in touch with what you want and the life that you want, you're good if you don't follow the any benefit approach. And as soon as something sounds like a good idea, you just assume you need to have it because you Mm -hmm. got to, like you said, you got to consider, will it, will that take away from what I currently have? Because it would be really cool if I was a super talented, like violinist or something. Yeah. But that is going to have, I'm going to have to make real deep cuts into something (laughs) if I want that to happen. And I just don't know that I want it that bad. So now I'm okay with not being an expert level violinist, Mm -hmm. even though I do kind of have the urge to get a violin right this second, now that I've thought about it, because that I love be how cool. string instruments sound, but but I can't. That's yep. that's going to cost me. I'm going to have to give up a language or two, or I'll have to stop photography or something, or piano. Oh, God, I forgot there was another instrument I already do play. <laughs> yeah, like, the cost is too great, so I have to say no. And isn't it funny, when, when you look into the future and you ask yourself, like, all right, well, next week, I'm pretty free. I could do that. But if you think about your average day how many hours are you sitting around going i've just got nothing to do because for me it's none i wake up i usually go to the gym there for about an hour and a half come back i gotta eat you know shower there's all these work things i'm doing i'm usually working until 6 6 30 and then i want to spend some time with anna or play video games with friends or you know have a bit of free time rest time and then i gotta go to bed there's no yeah. like, you know, from three to four p.m. I just got nothing, just a blank. Those void. are those like seasonal, enjoyable days I was talking about, where I'm like, <laughs> man, I feel so good, I feel free. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's almost never. And and you know, I I would imagine that you personally would like to optimize to have some of those. I would like to. It's what's well, like uh, financially. Generally, some good advice is to live below your means because mm-hmm. this means you will keep saving money. But time-wise, I find it even harder to try to live below my means. If I yeah. have an extra hour in a day, I will probably cram it with some sort of thing that I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. or that sounds fun or anything. And I I don't live below my means time-wise, so yeah. therefore I don't get free time. Yep. And therefore I can't build the savings of the relaxation, the creative ideas that i would generate in that kind of Mm -hmm. a time i lose out on that because i wanted to spend my time yeah as if it were money that's a big one you don't you don't get the creative ideas if you're so over scheduled they just don't come yeah you know when i took my vacation last year i found that oh i've gotten all these ideas and the big thing was instead of stressing me out they excited me yeah when i'm when i'm over scheduled the thought of any new project i'm like i can't do that don't have time for it. And it was funny. I was at dinner with a few friends and uh, they were like, Hey, what, what are your long-term goals? And I'm like, well, I know I have a ton of them. I have this whole impossible list. It's all on there. But in the, in the, in that moment, I was like, there's not one that just sticks out as like, that's the one I'm going for right now. And I think it's because there's just so much stuff I'm doing that the idea of putting effort into that long-term goal becomes stressful because I'm already overburdened with a yeah. lot of monkey's paw stuff with a lot of current projects that are all competing for my attention. Perfectionism too, because mm-hmm. if you don't think you're going to do it to the level you want, you need yep. to be like, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready. But when that, are you that's ready? That's another thing. Yeah. When are you ready? Mm-hmm. Um, I've also noticed like FOMO with, with uh, potential relationships. 
I'm like, oh, I should really meet that person, that person, that person. I should be best friends with all of these hundred people because they're yeah. super cool. Or, or a thousand or something like that. Yeah. I don't I don't know the term for this, but there's like some research that was done uh, that came to the conclusion that a human being can really only manage like 150 relationships in your head. That seems like a good number to me. Beyond that, you I'm know, satisfied. people become just like a sea of bodies. So you, yeah. when you when you're walking down the streets of a giant city like New York City, um, your your mind can't really perceive everyone you pass as like a complex individual with whom you could have a deep relationship because there's just so many of them. Yeah. So you're just pushing past, pushing past. What I find is like you know being a content creator, especially now having somewhat of a platform, there's a lot of people 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 who reach out, and I'm like, well, it would be great to know that person. They seem really interesting. That seems awesome. And I, I realize like. Well, if, if I try to become friends with every single person, how many of those people are actually going to get any kind of deep interaction with me on any kind of regular basis? No, you're going to be slowly accidentally stealing the deep friendship from yeah. some of them without realizing it. Mm-hmm. It's funny when I, when I moved to Denver, and again, this is an issue of balance. This is not me saying, well, this is the logical conclusion. So never meet anybody. It's always, it's always a process of ask yourself, where am I at? Because everything in life is balance. Everything in life is, is asking yourself, like, uh, what position am I in? Am I lonely? Do I have a lot of time where I don't interact with a lot of people? Cool. Go out and meet friends. When I moved to Denver, um, you know, you were there. It's true. My good friend Tim Heidecker was there. He wasn't That's there. That's not true. He wasn't there. <laughs> or at least I didn't see him hiding in the fake plant the other end of the room. <laughs> but I didn't have a whole lot of relationships in Denver. So I was much more keen to take up opportunities to go to meetups or to hang out with people. Now I've got a big enough friend group that on a near daily basis, I'm like, oh man, I haven't talked to that person in a while. I feel like <laughs> I'm letting them down, but oh, I got all these projects to do. And, you know, it's like, the idea of trying to go out to actively meet new people, I feel like I would be taking away from other friends. So I have to let I have to let that form of FOMO kind of not influence me too much. Yeah. I wish there was a third day in every weekend. <laughs> Just a spot a day that you that where the rule was don't plan this day. But the funny then thing I would is get some of the spontaneity back. It. Because, because time, like you're not going to insert additional like vortexes of time. Yeah. If you you really care to do that, we could, we could redefine the entire month if we wanted to. Like we have that freedom. We could build 10 day weeks into our. We could do that. Because it's basically 30 days. like an interesting idea. We could do a 10 day week. I could be like, all right, it's, you know, it's Monday to Thursday, this version of the week. And in the middle of that, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, those three are totally off. We, we could do it if you want to. But my guess is without big changes to your own habits uh, and deep conversations with the people that you talk to and work with, you know, it would be the same. I just fill it with something. You'd fill it with something. Fill it with some sort of project, probably. But wouldn't that be wouldn't that be cool to just get some of that spontaneity back where you didn't fill it with something on purpose mm-hmm. and you didn't have any particular fears about missing something that day? Yeah. No, I'm not going to complete my to-do list, even if it's like a fun one, even if it's like I want to read and play games and yeah. I want to do a little bit of everything. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe you can... Spontaneity happened much more as a kid for me. 
That's true. And I do think about that sometimes. I remember like, oh, uh, I found this video game on the shelf. Of, this is going to take me with Blockbuster. I'm going to rent it. And Those games were always terrible, but I loved it. Wake them. up the next day. What am I doing? I'm going to go play that game. Yeah, like you don't, you're like, <laughs> I don't know yet. That was cool. Uh, you know, but yeah, as, as you get older, there are more and more opportunities. And especially with the internet, there's so many opportunities, so many things you could learn. Anything. You can learn anything. And and there's a whole marketing machine out there yeah. telling you you can learn anything. You want to learn to produce music? Here's a whole course on it. We actually got like well, 500 courses. Marketing on it. loves FOMO. Mm-hmm. That's the reason I tried every flavor of Oreo for a long time until I eventually broke that habit. <laughs> what if it's the greatest flavor I've ever had? Maybe that's I should true. buy three containers just in case. Mm-hmm. It's, that's, it's important. I need to try them or I'll miss out forever. I did this with energy drinks one time in college. That was a bad idea. That's limit, limited edition stuff. Yep. And then the problem is that there have been enough studies and examples where it's past a, a few choices. More choices don't make people happier. Yep. They just make them more stressed. There are examples where I don't remember all the exact numbers, but it was like they were studying whether employees in, among some group would invest in their stock options for work. And mm-hmm. For every extra hundred options they gave them, like an extra two or three percent would just not do anything because they would become so overwhelmed. Or there's like that place that had the different kinds of was it fish or something, and it was yeah, there was they had like eighty billion choices. It was it was a ton of different fish choices and a ton of different like fish rubs or sauces. Yeah, they had uh, cut that down to just three fish, and each one came with a specific. And then more people bought stuff. Because when you come up to all those choices, you get confused, you get stressed, and you say, I'll figure it out later, and then you never do it. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting paradox. Like, we crave optionality, but when we have it, we're, like, paralyzed. Yeah, and then... And we're less happy with our choices. And then it seems like a contradiction, but there are also studies indicating that when you're given a choice, and when you if you make a choice and you can't take it back... You'll usually retroactively justify it more and be happy mm-hmm. with whatever choice you made, convincing yourself it was the right one. Unless yeah. something catastrophic happens, obviously. Well, that, I think that's like the consistency principle. You know, like we want to act consistent with our past decisions. Yeah. So then, then you tell yourself so like a story that it was, you'll be that happy was the right choice. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Like it, it wasn't even an important choice. Yeah, dude, this is why I go to restaurants and I'll, I'll just like pick whatever. Like first thing I think of. Like, oh, it looks good. Cool. Yeah, because it, it doesn't really matter. You'll be, you'll be fine I'm going to be fine with my choice. And that's hard to think about in life, and yep. especially with careers, because it mm-hmm. feels like if you just yeah, you I stop mean, running for a second. You know, with, with careers, the thing I always say is ask yourself, like, uh, you know, like, be observant on a daily basis. What are the aspects of this work that I like and don't like? Um, and, and many times it's not it's not the specific job. It's what does it entail? So like with my IT job back in college, it entailed maintaining things that people had set up and designed before me. That was a big thing I didn't like. I also didn't like, you know, having to go to a cubicle every day. I didn't like the really stodgy culture. So those are other things that, you know, I'm like, cool, okay, I can optimize for that. I could work for a smaller company or work for myself. But the big thing is like, I want to create. I don't want to maintain. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think it would matter what it is. Actually, I know it wouldn't matter because I've gotten just as much enjoyment out of going out to a random field and filming uh like a movie style thing with tony 
as I have from building a PMI calculator for mortgage loans in Excel. Yeah, and they definitely don't sound the same on paper. Both of those things I enjoyed equally. They were both incredibly fun, got tons of satisfaction out of them. But yeah, they sound basically as opposite as you could think of. But there's there's a there's a similarity, which is I had to come up with an idea and go out and create it from scratch. Had never done it before, had to learn things, had to discover things, had to, you know, put things together. And uh so regardless of what it is, like I know that's what that's what fulfills me. Yeah. So yeah. what do you what do you are you gonna try to focus on getting off the treadmill? Is that yes. your primary get out of FOMO? Mm-hmm. So Tactic. what this means for me is I need to create fewer things, which means if I want to, if I want to maintain this same income and I do less for me and more for the team, I need to delegate more to the team and I need to figure out how to get into new areas of business that don't require us to optimize for, you know, making more pieces of content every week. Yeah. Um, I can tell you, like I, I was a lot more fulfilled earlier this year when I'm like, I got two videos this month. So yeah, let's drive to the mountains and film in a f- frozen lake versus we got four. I need to just sit down and do it. Yeah. You know? Rush, rush, rush. And there's 11 PM. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's what you like to do. Like Philip DeFranco does a video every day. Maybe he likes doing that. If that's what he likes to do, then great. That's just not what I like to do. So I have to realize again, ask myself, I'm feeling FOMO about this thing. Okay, what would the opportunity cost be if I diverted resources towards this thing I'm now feeling FOMO about? If I diverted resources towards is towards growing the YouTube channel faster through more content because I'm comparing myself to this person over here who's doing the same thing or or I think I can make more money through this way, what am I giving up? I'm giving up the ability to be more creative with that work. I'm giving up the ability to research more deeply or, you know, build other projects. I'm giving stuff up. So that's the thing I got to ask myself. Sometimes when you're at the the beginning, there's not a whole lot you're giving up because like you haven't had a lot of opportunity yet. But when you're inundated with opportunity, that's when you have to be really serious about this. Yeah. And I generally find that trying to simplify Mm -hmm. and pull back is almost always a good answer. Mm -hmm. That's why I like minimalism so much. And it's why I set up the goal book, like I said earlier, so I could do one thing at a time. Eventually, maybe I could cut more, but I don't know that I can cut more. I kind of just need to accept that I can't be world-class in all of the things I like, but that's okay because I like liking them more than being world-class. And what this could also save you from is that idea of uh, your success being the thing that kind of makes you unsuccessful going forward yeah so like uh rocky three i don't know if you've seen that movie mm, but you know i don't think so first rocky amazing movie uh, it's actually more of a love story than a boxing movie but he ends up losing the fight in the end second movie he wins becomes the champion third movie the challenger's like mr t mr t's character at least and he's like this he's a killer dude he's pra- he's he's uh training like mad and rocky's like doing all these interviews and signing autographs and kissing babies and opening this cool mm, gym with a statue of him. Stuff. He's like training with photographers there. So he's just like hitting the speed bag a couple of times and mixing the corner. Like this isn't training. You're going to get destroyed by this guy. And he does because he let all these opportunities that a success brought him 
split his time and attention to the point where there's no time for training anymore. I got all these photo ops. I got, I got this thing deep. to be, I got to cut this ribbon over here, you know? And you know, if I'm not careful, that can happen. There, literally yesterday I went through my inbox. There's four different people who wanted to interview, interview me for podcasts or do some sort of feature. And I'm like, I could do all those, but every single one of them is going to be a scheduled thing. So not only will it take half an hour to an hour, but it's going to split up a day. Yeah. So if I want to spend four hours on, on an edit or something, I can't not four interrupted hour uninterrupted hours. Yeah. I feel like so the trick I here is no to sometimes. not define yourself by your success more so than like your interest in whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a great like, one. I would, I would Can like to be known one? as, I would like to be known as the person who's, really interested in the stuff that I'm interested in, but not particularly, I don't care if I'm known for a level that I achieve in any of them. Yeah. Will I ever win a pixel art contest or something? I don't really care. But if people think of me, I would like them to think, yeah, he likes pixel art. He's interested in that. That's Mm -hmm. it's the learning process that I want to define me. Everything I achieve will be outdone by somebody 10 years younger, you know, three days later. <laughs> anyway, that's that's what happens as you get older. Yep. It, the the technology involved in making pixel art is crazy. People in the 80s making pixel art are probably mad at the program that I use every day. Oh, yeah. Just it, because they're like, do you know how much work we had to do? And you're just like, look at me, I've got a fancy tool. But that's just, yeah. that's how it works. So if you define yourself that way, you're going to be outpaced. Mm-hmm. It will happen. You just have to decide when you're okay with it happening. There's a YouTube channel called uh, Ben and Gear. Uh, I think it's Ben with two N's. He's this guy who he's been making electronic music for years. And he has a few videos where he goes back and he kind of shows like, well, here's how you would make electronic music back in the 80s or 90s. And I'm like, holy crap, the effort you had to put in back then. Every sound, not every sound, but you know, like it's not all on a computer. There are no VSTs. It's you, yeah. you got to get this box and then you got to learn how to use it and they're all esoteric and you got to plug maybe five different boxes into another to get this signal loop going to get a specific sound. Now you, you buy friggin' massive or pigments or whatever synth you want. And there's every sound you could ever yeah, think I of. I can plug my keyboard into it and just mm-hmm. play it like a piano. Any sound, the, the, even any idea, sound like, I would like multi-track recording. That wasn't a thing for the longest time. People can't see it because we're probably going to cut it off, but I've got a reel to reel recorder right here. Do the Beatles would like record the vocals into that and then and then tape over the drums onto the vocals. And now like everybody can get a SoundCloud yeah. and start making their own stuff. So, if, so you, easy. if you define yourself by like I've made the highest quality recording. <laughs> no, no. no. Yep. And then and then you can take pretty good photos with a phone. Mm-hmm. They haven't caught up with DSLR because they don't have, you know, actual focal length and aperture control. Yeah. But they can do so much more mm-hmm. than many professional photographers would like to admit because <laughs> they're uncomfortable with being outpaced. Well, the other thing that, that uh, artists, they they really hate, they, they, but that's just how it is, is like, you know, what gets popular is not correlated with uh, the highest in artistic or technical which, achievement. Which, again, is why you shouldn't be... You know, I've, you should care more about the artistic achievement than what's yep. popular because that's arbitrary. Sometimes Anna's like, well, she posted some some half hour sketch the other day and people loved it. And she's like, why do people love this and not this other thing that I put so much time and no attention reason. into? And I'm like, <laughs> OK, but yeah, but like, do you know, you know how hard it is to play like freeform jazz fusion in 19 over 16 time signature? That's so hard. 
But people don't want to listen to that. They want to listen to Katy Perry, Firework, you know, the standard pop number. That's just your standard verse, chorus, verse, chorus. What's the most technical is not going to be the most successful always. Yeah. So again, I love I love what you said. It's like define yourself by your interests, not necessarily your accomplishments and how they compare to other people's accomplishments. Because if, if you do that, then, hey, if you want to play freeform jazz fusion in 19 over 16 time, then you're going to get you're going to get enjoyment and personal satisfaction out of doing that. Not, oh, a billion people watched my song. Yeah, I I would say that unfortunately, and this is totally reasonable because we live in, you know, like capitalist country where all this makes sense, but personal branding is kind of a large thing that would pull one away and think that they Mm. need to get all the awards or the as seen on lines on their, all these little things because it's important to build a career, but at some point you've built it yeah and you need to see that you can <laughs> stop now you mm-hmm. have to do some stuff to maintain but you don't always have to push the same forever yeah you just build that habit i think or at least that's our philosophy yeah and we have obviously the experience of doing weird internet stuff where personal branding is relevant and that's true so there there was a time in my life where personal branding i think was very important in helping me gain a foothold in the area I wanted to be in, you know, and if I was really going to go all in on something new, then it may be really important again, but you know, balancing all things. Now, if, if I am too focused on personal branding and how I'm perceived, then I may end up focusing on the wrong things. Yeah. So, uh, do we have, Cult member questions. We do. We have two. Today. We have two. We have okay. two of them. What do we got? Let me see. Oh, no. I don't have Notion logged in on my phone. It logged me out. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Are they in? Well, I have them. Oh, here they are. Yeah, they're in Notion. I just logs me out when it updates and I forget to fix it. Gotcha. All right. Well, here's our cult member questions. Uh, number one, other than Spanish and obviously English, how often does Martin get to use his languages in a back and forth conversation with someone who actually knows the language? Uh, this question very much triggers my I'm not good enough in every single thing I love <laughs> feeling. Are you not having but, daily conversations um, in Mandarin, German, Japanese? Oh, I, it hurt me so bad to give up Mandarin and German, but I have a weekly lesson in Japanese because I'm actively learning mm-hmm. the grammar and the vocabulary and stuff. With French and Spanish, I have about a half hour conversation with somebody that's just a casual tutor because I'm just I'm just talking to them about stuff. Yeah. Eh, once every two or three weeks in each language. Okay. And that's uh that's about it. Honestly, I don't even use Spanish on a daily basis. I rarely have the need for any of the languages in my real life. I just like them. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. I don't really accomplish anything with the languages. They just amuse me. So I keep doing them. If you and Tony talk in Spanish, then I won't know what you guys are saying. So you can like. Well, that's true. You know, that's true. That's a good idea. But yeah, it's every every two or three weeks I have a half hour (laughs) conversation. That's that's about it. I still haven't been out of the country. So I've, I've still missed a lot of opportunities to. Well, it turns out 2020, you know, we're locked into this country right now. I don't think we can leave. That's true. I have so that's to, a thing. I have to like sneak out on a drone, but I think they'll catch me. I would recommend not doing it on a drone. I was going to like hold on to it. Now, if you do a lot that's of drones. That's what I was picturing. It's like the 2020 version of Up. You don't use balloons. You use like yeah. a thousand Mavic 2s. Well, I was picturing holding a big one like the paraglider. 
Oh, there you go. In Breath of the Wild. Oh, I forgot. Uh, Casey and I said did a video where he literally built a drone big enough to hang off of. So yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think that's a good idea, and I think that I will get in trouble. Probably. But yeah, every couple weeks is the answer. If you land in Japan illegally on a drone, knowing some Japanese isn't going to help you. I think the problem is the ocean. Well, just bring extra batteries. (laughs) (laughs) My arm strength is going to need to be top notch. (laughs) Well, yeah, just train every day. Um, But I guess like the question is, do do you enjoy? how much you use those languages see that's the thing i've had to become okay with is Mm -hmm. that i enjoy studying language for the sake of studying language they amuse me i like accents but i've had to slowly come to terms with the fact that i'm probably not going to have any specific accomplishments related to them they therefore they can't be the priority over something where i'm trying to achieve something Mm -hmm. they have to be casual interests because i like them I used to want accomplishments based on them, and that was stressful because what you have to maintain a language forever. You start to slip back. That is a treadmill too. Yep. But I just do it for fun, so I don't care that much anymore. If my Spanish or French are rusty every once in a while, it only takes a couple days to bring them right back. So yep. Someday they might be necessary. There are other areas where you are having accomplishments. Yeah, I want to complete pixel art Mm -hmm. or that song I wrote. I don't complete French. Yeah. Nothing. There's well, nothing. Maybe you don't. There's nothing down that path, but sadness and realizing that I will never be quite as good at it as I would like, especially since I refuse to cut. If I cut two of the languages, I know I could be amazing at one of them, but mm. I just can't do it. <laughs> Which is okay. The thing I will miss out on is some sort of bragging rights. I don't care. Yeah. Language isn't a parlor trick. I'm amused by studying it. Yeah. It would be like saying, you know, I guess I'm going to cut singing and piano so I can just be the best at guitar. Yeah, like what What good is no. it if I'm like, look how good I am at French? Everybody's, yeah. I don't think that most people will care for longer yeah. than three seconds. So I'm just hurting myself. Because you, you love to speak in French, you love to speak in Japanese, and you love to speak in Spanish. Yeah. You know, I, I love to sing I will and be play guitar and play piano, mm, so. Perpetually a little rusty in whichever one I haven't practiced most recently. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next one. Do did you see yourselves being where you are now a few years ago? Not even slightly. Well, so what is a few years ago? Are we talking like 2017, 2018? Or well, are we saying all like, of those answers still count because I didn't think I'd still be in Denver at this point during several oh, yeah. of those years. Okay. This job is weird and hard to predict. Mm-hmm. And uh I did not foresee the pandemic, and I apologize to the world for that. Fault. I also apologize for I, not for seeing that. I didn't do a good job. Yeah, I mean, you know, putting aside like 2020 craziness. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. I mean, there, there's a lot of specific details that I couldn't have foreseen, but 2017, I was also a full-time YouTuber. And that's fair. Job-wise, it's not I think like that different. You know, if you would have asked me in 2017, are you still making YouTube videos 10 years from now? I would have been like, I don't know. But if you said, are you still making YouTube videos three years from now? I probably would have said, yeah, I most likely am. That's fair. Making YouTube videos three years from now. So there are some differences to how I probably would have predicted it. But by and large, um, you know, I think I could have seen it, which maybe says something. Maybe it's like, hey if you could predict what you were going to be doing three years from now, maybe it's time to, to start moving into something. I don't know. I think it's probably smarter to, to, to guide myself based on my goals and everyday experiences 
and what you kind of said, defining yourself based on your interests rather than just your accomplishments. Yeah. But yeah, it's something to think about. All right. Well, those are our cult member questions. And if you, dear listener, want to join our cult, we have hooded robe meetings on Wednesdays in really any dingy basement you can think of, as long as there's like stone walls. I'm picturing this episode of DuckTales where there were like druids by Scrooge's castle. That was pretty, I'm picturing that. We have a setup kind of, we we go to a forest and it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Well, the interesting thing is like, the definition of cult is a lot wider than people think. Uh, I remember some, some colleagues of mine went to, I think they went to France for this, which was really funny. They went to France to partner with Ubisoft on a promotion for Far Cry 5, which is set in Montana. And they had like set up this whole like theme park to look like Montana, but it was in, in France, Montana land. <laughs> Basically that, that's what they said. But I think part of that was, was they, they were uh, given some time to talk with an expert on cults and they were like, well, there's actually a lot of cults, uh, but there's a difference. Like some cults fail and you know, your, your Jim Joneses and those kind of things, your Charlie Manson's, all those, but a lot of cults like go on and they're successful and you never even hear about them because a cult is just sort of like a group of people who sort of like, define themselves by adhering to a certain group that has maybe tenants. They may have a figurehead, uh, but the, the differentiator is in the successful cults, the figurehead almost always has checks and balances against his power or her power or their power, whatever it is. So they never messed it up. Yep. Hmm. So they can never, you know, have all the power go to their head and become a despot. That's fair. Well, we will try not to become despots. We have a lot of checks and balances against our power because uh, we have none. People can just unsubscribe at any time. Yeah, that's fair. Except for if you do, your phone will melt. Well, if you do, you'll miss out on the next episode. That's a great episode. That one will happen. Yes, your phone won't melt, but you will miss out on the next episode. So there, there is how we build our power base. We keep dangling carrots. Specifically with FOMO is you're going to miss out. How we will maintain this business. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, here, here's like the weird Mexican standoff, right? I really want you to listen to the next episode. But the entire point of this episode is you have to ask yourself, is listening to the next episode of the Inforium worth the trade-off? Well, hopefully it is because, I don't know, maybe you're just like washing the dishes right now. Yeah. And you're going to wash the dishes next week. But hey, if you're like, I really want to go learn pixel art just like Martin and I can't listen to podcasts while I watch pixel art tutorials, maybe you should not listen to the next episode of the Inforium. If yeah, that's maybe. not the conclusion that we come to, then we're being pretty hypocritical. I don't care. I'm a hypocrite. Listen to it. <laughs> all right. Give me the biggest success. Yeah. Give me give me all the analytics. Number munchers. That's what we are. Did you ever play that in like third grade, fourth grade? Maybe. We had old, old Mac computers. I'll emulate it later. You should do it. Yeah. We had old Mac computers in our in my third grade, fourth grade classrooms, and they had number munchers, so we used to play that. I don't even really remember what the gameplay was like. I know there was a grid, and you're like a little guy who's basically just a mouth and legs, and there's numbers. I think maybe it's like you have to munch the right numbers to hit a certain uh, 
number like if it's like nine we it's like three times three bunch of those two or something like that i don't really remember i don't know i don't know maybe they have it in the iphone we can go check it out later on all right uh i think that's gonna do it for this episode of the emporium though so thanks for listening as always if you haven't subscribed already you can do so on spotify or apple podcasts or google podcasts which i don't really i think that's like moving into youtube music i don't really understand these things anymore i don't know what google does but uh i think if you go over to the inforium.com and just click any of the links to get to where you would subscribe it should take you there it should and i, I imagine that you would check yeah because you built the site i would i would hope that it works <laughs> Uh, beyond that if you want to support this show let a friend know about it or on apple podcasts they have a rating and review feature so if you want to give us a five-star review and rating or five-star rating and review or you could just type five stars that would be a five-star review either way or let us know what you think either way uh but as always we appreciate you just for hanging out listening to the show and we'll see you in the next episode thank you <laughs>